Time once again for Second Helping, the top podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network. Joined, as always, by my great friend, college football analyst, Brent Beard, currently a First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida. Also, a longtime voter in the race for the most prestigious honor in all of collegiate athletics. That honor, of course, the Heisman Trophy. Brent, uh, good to catch back up. There's been a few things of particular interest that we'll get into on today's podcast, but really just sort of a kind of a buffet, a smorgasbord, if you will, here on Second Helping. That's typically the approach we take. Well, it is, and and, uh, quickly just to hit some of the high spots, uh, two magazines are in. We're waiting on Phil Steele. Now, I saw Phil on Uh, my Twitter, I think, a day or so ago, and he was holding that latest edition, like the the proud papa, you know, of a a new child, it, it looked like, with Phil in that picture. Uh, it's supposed to be out by July 4th, so folks may want to be aware of that. Uh, we listen, Believe it or not, we are um, less than three weeks basically away from uh, media days uh, in Atlanta, so that that's around the corner. Uh, we've got a retirement, uh, but one of the, I thought one of the better coaches anywhere, certainly Orange Manning's made his decision. Travis and I will delve into that a little bit. The Big 12 – uh, has a new commissioner, which is interesting in a lot of ways. Uh, and NIL uh, has its first anniversary on July the first, which is just amazing. But look, all those all those topics pale in comparison. Our listeners want to know: Travel was Pomp's behavior at the beach exemplary over the last uh, week or so. Yeah, Pops Palooza, we call this now, uh, the annual trek to Crescent Beach, <laughs> uh, Florida. We've been doing that for about 40 years. He was pretty good. He had one night. He had one yeah. night where he was, you know, kind of just Pops. He had had right. a, a long day, we'll put it yeah. that way. And uh, he was particularly entertaining, we'll say. So uh, <laughs> some of that was actually captured on tape or on oh. video, and a clip may have shown up on Twitter of Pops. But yes. all in all, I'd say you know, grading him with a massive curve that's required when it comes to his behavior, I'd say he was okay. Solid C+. Plus. Good. You know, I'd Good. say a C, C+, plus, which for Pops, you know, that gets you promoted to the next grade. And that's <laughs> – you're just trying to get Pops promoted. He's not going to make Absolutely. any beans lists or right, right. anything like that. But, uh, yeah, Pops was Pops was pretty good. He's uh, he's fired up for another college football season. You know, Pops is a Gator fan, too. And, boy, it sounds like there's been some consternation of late yes, in that fan yes, base because the Gator fans were promised in a lot of ways that Billy Napier Brent was going to deliver on the recruiting trail after – the not so not so great performances in that area yes. uh, of the job from Dan Mullen and uh, the Gators taking a few losses, including a controversial one involving a quarterback from California who is headed to Miami under some pretty interesting alleged circumstances. I guess. Yeah, that would be a uh, understatement with that one. Jaden Rashada uh, is who we're talking about from Pittsburgh, California. And basically, 
this has kind of become a, a bit of a Twitter war between lawyers, uh, which is part of the problem, as Travis and I have talked about, is one of the unintended consequences with NIL uh, that instead of this really being regulated, uh, the the, uh, uh, the quasi-agent slash lawyers have gotten probably a lot more publicity uh, than they need and or uh, deserve. But a lot of people thought Rashada was going to Florida. Instead, he goes to Miami. Um, the uh, lawyer uh, who is involved uh, with this uh, also says uh, that the uh, his name is Michael Caspino, uh, that Florida's NIL collective was very dysfunctional. Uh, so you had <laughs> Miami and Gator fans going after it during this time. Now, one thing that I did do, uh, Frank, over the last few days uh, was to, uh, and I'll make this real brief, uh, for on3rivals.com and 24-7, for a lot of the people who have thought and said that Miami had a real advantage and a big margin and the recruiting rankings over Florida, that really does not hold true. Uh, and on three, uh, Miami is uh, 15, and Florida is 18. And in rivals, Miami is 32, and Florida is 33. And in the aforementioned 24-7, Miami is 31, and Florida is 34. So, uh because there's not a whole lot else going on, it, it, it it's fun to keep up with the going back and forth. Uh, but as we kind of take a little uh, look, uh, a little closer down, we yeah. see both, but both these teams a little closer than people wanted. Yeah, always a good time of year for a, a, a skirmish between the Miami and Florida fan bases. We don't see them on the field enough no. you know, in that series anymore. No, not, so not we take all. the. Uh, we take the the Twitter and internet brawls where we can get them between the Canes and the Gators. And yeah. you're right. If you just go to the 24 seven sports composite rankings, which incorporates a lot of the rankings or uh, the rankings that uh, Brent outlined there for you from a team perspective, you got uh, really a pillow fight right now you between do. Miami Absolutely. and Florida. When you look at the, the, the current state of these programs, it's, it, it's uh brawl was probably going a little bit too far pillow fight right now yes. because you've got Miami yes. and Florida both in the thirties and the recruiting rankings. But from a perception standpoint though, and you know, understanding the ridiculousness that's involved now because we have representation are people who claim that they are representing some of these prospects. Yes. Who knows yes. if they actually are really they could be running uh false information out there in hopes of attracting prospects sure. who fall for wow, this guy got uh, the quarterback from California, nearly $10 million to go to to Miami, when, in fact, that may not have been the case at all. Uh, there's so much to try to decipher through what's real, what isn't. Uh, but right now, at its fundamental level, we're talking about two programs that have first-year head coaches for a reason at at Miami yes. and, and also Florida because uh, they got what they both – they both – have a ways to go. But for Napier, the bigger concern right now is perception because he was sold to that fan base as a program builder. And when I hear that, 
it's essentially a plea to the fan base. Okay, let's give this guy some time. That being said, he is, again, expected to recruit at a much higher level than Dan Mullen has. You know, that hasn't been the case to start here. I think in time that will certainly prove to be the case probably as soon as December of this year. Um, But how important does it become now for for this Florida team, as we've talked about in the past? Really difficult start from a schedule perspective. And, uh, you know, you hear some people talk about Florida as a 5-17 and potentially uh, in 2022. And, And you start to think about those potential scenarios and, and, and you wonder if the program builder cell uh, goes out the window pretty quickly. Uh, well, it, it, in, I think what you're saying, in, in other words, uh, will it be a short honeymoon with him? Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's the thing we wonder. Now, he certainly helped himself by getting Sharif Denson, who is uh, a kid from Jacksonville, by the way, Trav, uh, uh, that, that's regarded as a, uh, as a good cornerback. Uh, but... Uh, and and the other thing is, uh, to your point, it, what he needs under his belt is a really good uh, and a better season than people believe he's going to have. Now, Travis and I share notes together. One of the notes that we've got are the most difficult three-game stretches. And to back up what Travis is saying, Florida's got that with Utah, Kentucky, and South Florida – Right off the bat. I mean, the rest of these teams, Trav, it's October and November when their stretch is getting kind of here. A ramp up. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. But but Florida wastes no time going getting out of the gate, do they? No. Uh they they really don't. And another coach, uh, this one going into his second year, uh, we talk about perception and recruiting and how it can really sway things uh amongst your fan base and boy, Steve Sarkeesian picked up a nice a nice boost here in the last week is Arch Manning, the five-star quarterback, the legacy of all legacies at the quarterback position in college football and really beyond, makes it known that he will attend the University of Texas. It had a little bit of that feel throughout the process. I know on recent podcasts, Brent, we had talked about, outlined a potential scenario where maybe Arch Manning would have let this thing carry into the fall if he wasn't entirely sure but for him to go ahead at this point with sark coming off a five and seven and understanding that sark too very early on in the schedule for the 2022 season is going to have his challenges uh that's a that's a solidifying announcement for steve sarkeesian as much as anybody else i would think well and to show you how well things like this work out or at least in the beginning since Arch Manning made his announcement, Texas has added nine commitments. Yep. Now, now that's not to say that every one of them came there because of Arch, but you know that had some kind of effect on Certainly. them. Certainly. Absolutely. Now, now, what we don't know again is uh, when Texas and OU are joining the SEC, so we should, what, Trav, see maybe a year or maybe even two, hopefully, of Arch in the league. Again, uh, we just don't know. But he thought Sarkeesian could be the one to uh, develop him and, and help into the NFL. That's not saying certainly that wouldn't happen in Alabama and Georgia, who we believe were uh, uh, second, third in some order 
on, on this list. But and by the way, Arch is not at Elite Eleven this week in California. He just didn't want to go. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's an interesting thing to follow, but it really matters nothing on the grand scope scope of things. Uh, but but I the, I thought the Manning family Travis handled this well. They didn't make it a circus. Uh, they just kind of made it a fact. Arch could have t- tweeted every day. He never did any of that. So I mean, when you put all that together, uh, it, it still was one of the most ballyhooed recruiting processes we've ever seen. But but it was still fascinating how it came out. And kind of how they kept it under control was a family. Yeah, it was kind of a retro recruitment, wasn't it? It was. It had more of a '80s and '90s feel to it. A pre really did social media era recruitment with Arch Manning. Look, the Manning name, he's got plenty of built-in juice. You know, it's yeah. not a brand that he's trying to build uh, from the ground up. There is uh, certainly a, a well-documented foundation there. It's interesting that Arch, sort of like uh, Peyton. You know, ventured away from the family tree uh, a yeah. good bit and going to Texas and uh, joining up with Steve Sarkeesian. And, you know, you're happy for Sark because, again, a rough first season that culminated oh, yes. with a loss at home to Kansas. And then you go into this process of year two, you pick up this recent rash of commitments as you uh, outlined there and, and Arch certainly headlining that group. Now you have three five stars committed for the 2023 cycle. Texas, according to the 24 7 sports composite rankings, now up to third yeah. in those rankings. Still some work to be done with 17 commitments in all, but certainly looks to be guaranteed as a top five or six recruiting class, regardless of how this plays out down the stretch. And, you know, if you're Arch Manning too, and you talk about Alabama, Georgia as your primary finalists to go along with Texas, you're essentially making a big picture decision that centers on SEC programs because if Quinn Ewers is who he's supposed to be, we shouldn't see Arch Manning until Texas is an SEC program, I would say at that point. If Quinn Ewers has two more seasons minimum, at Texas this season and next season, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for Arch similar to say more so along the lines of Eli at Ole Miss. You know, Eli, people, I think, in uh, retrospect, think he was a day one guy at Ole Miss. He was not. Mm-hmm. And so this this could be a similar situation for Arch in that regard that he could have a year or so before he's really thrust into that situation. I, I'm, I'm curious uh, your take on this. I, I, th- I The only thing that surprised me was the timing. I, I thought this might last a little longer uh, into the season that he would uh, take some visits. But again, as the Mannings are, they, they, we know they've been everywhere. They've been multiple times uh, to Alabama, Georgia, and to uh, uh, Texas. So uh, that, that's Trav, that's the only thing that really kind of surprised me. But, but you know, again, kudos to Arch. I mean, he can concentrate now on his final year, uh, so-called uh, up and enjoy it, and he's got that decision behind him. Yeah, and while they weren't, as you said, public at all, very really public, um, I know Cuppa did most of the talking. Yeah, he did. Um, 
for Arch throughout the process, which he sort of expected there. Um, I, I guess not a huge surprise that he, he went ahead and took care of it at this point. Now, again, Steve Sarkeesian, short-term, big winner, but I think there's still you know, some things to consider. And looking at that schedule, I know everyone's going to say, well, what if Texas gets bombed by Alabama? in week two. And, and that's certainly a possibility. Uh, I think the game will be pretty competitive myself, but even if that happens, you know, having Arch Manning in this class now in your back pocket is nice insurance for Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, now here's where the problem comes in. Potentially, this is the scenario where your top five class, you can take it with you on the way out the door is the week after Alabama, the, the game yes. I'm most fascinated by for Sark in the month of September is not Alabama. It's UTSA. It really is, isn't the it? The following week. <laughs> and I know people hear that and go, UTSA, well, do a little homework on UTSA. Yes. And um, absolutely, it's a game that Texas should win. But if Texas gets bombed by Alabama in week two, Start, Sark needs to come back and win that game at home in week three. That That's where I have the concerns for Sark uh, as far as how this upcoming season could play out. Uh, and, and listen, uh, on that same theme, I mean, Trev, after that game at Texas Tech, yeah. West Virginia, obviously Oklahoma and Dallas – Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Trav, that is, my goodness, when we were talking about three-game stretches that are difficult, that's about, what, a five-game stretch. Can, can they survive that in the middle of the year? Yeah, that's that's where you wonder about where is this program right now. Yes. And whereas the, the momentum that you gain from a commitment and the other five stars and the class where it is right now, uh, that, that also in the eyes of some fans, a lot of fans actually go, wow, we should be, these guys aren't going to be there until next year. But you know, it, it heightens the optimism for the fan base to the point of thinking, man, this guy's going to have us even this year right there in the mix. Maybe Sark will, maybe Texas will be there. Uh, but I'm with you I, for all the good news of late. Uh, you know, I don't, I still don't know if this is more than an eight win team, uh, Agreed. in 2022. And, and if they are an eight win team, I think Sark's absolutely fine. It's where you get into another five and seven where it, it, it becomes at least in 2023, a get it done or get gone type of scenario for Steve Sarkeesian. And if it does play out that way, how about if Lane Kiffin ended up being the successor to Sark? Texas. <laughs> oh be, uh, wow! Now, now look, the the their main concern and their beat writers will tell you this: their offensive line is not very good. No, and, and I don't know how they're going to block Alabama. I, I, when I look at them, I, I don't go, either. Everybody tells me about Xavier Worthy and oh, yes. John Robinson oh, yes. and Quinn Ewers. And look, I get it. And Jalil Billingsley coming in at the tight end position, yeah. Ajay Hall coming in at wide receiver. I, I hear it. I see it. I know what Texas brings back from a skill perspective, but man, how the heck is Texas going to block Will Anderson, Dallas right. Turner, Chris Braswell, and those guys? That's that's where it it, it becomes tough for me to envision the the Longhorns doing uh, big things in that game. 
Well, and they and they've got to get something fixed because Oklahoma State people don't realize this. They had one of the better defenses in the nation last year. They've got a lot of those guys coming back. But that's the real point to this is Trev. And to me, they're like USC. Uh, seven on seven, both those teams could do well. But the problem is uh, their line of scrimmage is nowhere near where it needs to be in the next few years. No, that, that, that's if if I'm a Texas fan as excited as I am about, let's say, the recent recruiting developments. I'm paying attention more to the offensive line, and I think they're they're showing signs of improving there uh, in this next class. But uh, you know, there is still obviously a, a lot of work to be done, um, and some recruiting to still be done um, at the offensive line positions. I know they have a couple of tackles already committed, a couple of interior guys, but still some big big fish out there for Sark to try to work with on the recruiting trail. Now, Brent, you hinted at at a retirement earlier in the podcast that was certainly of note, Um, not SEC related, but certainly within the SEC footprint and a guy who, you know, when I thought about the next 10 years or so of college football and as a coach, I could easily have envisioned Bill Clark being an SEC head coach, but absolutely, I'm really taken aback by the news here in the last week or so that he's having to step aside because of health reasons. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, he is having uh, uh, help me on this, but it's like spine fusion. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean he's got serious back problems. He he's been named uh, on your list for a lot of really good jobs. But didn't want to take it. I think a lot of that, too, was he wanted the stadium built for UAB. And look, the, the, Trav, they, they need to put a statue of him uh, outside that stadium one day. Uh, but, but number one, I've always thought he's a tremendous coach and never got the credit that he deserved for resurrecting that program. And, and again, I know you've had enough of your surge. Uh, in, in, in the past, Trav, my question is, uh, and there's no way to know this, but that sounds like a, a very serious surgery. But if he does get back uh, with uh, uh, with all the good technology they've got today, and he's what, two, three, four years down the road, I, I'd love to see him come back. But boy, that that has to be a tremendous challenge. No doubt. And you're right. Having experienced a situation like that, uh, that's what resonated with me upon reading his statement, uh, his retirement from UAB statement was that in my situation, and I, and I have more limitations than even Bill Clark, but uh, even with what he's talking about, it's difficult to imagine the demands sure. that come with that position. And you think, well, I mean, you know, he, he could limit some things. If you're still on your feet, um, for an extended stretch, uh, that is required as a head coach, just watch, even watch Nick Saban at 70, how he navigates a practice field while he's out there or let alone the sidelines in a game. But, uh, it's hard to do from a golf cart the way you want to do it. Yeah. You can get in a cart and wheel around and, but that that's not gonna that's not gonna be the same experience for you or the player, 
And so, yeah, I totally, totally can, can understand where he's coming from on that front. And you're absolutely right. His, his two stints, he built that program twice, you know, and, and the second time from literally nothing, it was a, it was a startup essentially again, after the discontinuation of the program, there's no question that he needs to be honored in a way, commemorated in a way um, that, 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 that is evident and prominent in the years to come. Well, uh, we certainly wish him well, uh, but and he deserves a lot of credit. And, and again, this is this is a discussion on another day. Trev, I will be very interested because he, he has been the uh, the backbone of that organization. Where that where that school and that team goes over the next few years, no doubt about it. You know, something else I wanted to talk to you about in relation to Arch Manning is the domino effect at the quarterback position for, for some of the schools that were involved. Um, the quarterback situations in general, I know Alabama was in that mix. Alabama already had Eli Holstein committed another quarterback from the state of Louisiana that they really like a lot. He's currently taking part in the elite 11 finals out in California, uh, at that position. So Alabama looking like it's going to be a two quarterback, uh, class. And so, the question becomes more so, you know, who that second guy will be. Once, once Holstein committed to Alabama, you, you pretty much figured at that point, well, it, it's not going to be Arch Manning in right. that two quarterback class. So, you know, there's some other options that that Alabama is involved with. Uh, uh, when, when you consider a, uh, a two sport athlete, Dylan Lonegren, that they've had in on an official visit. Uh, he has Stanford, South Carolina, some other programs very high on his list. Uh, so the Alabama quarterback situation looks to be just fine regardless. What about Georgia? Uh, because we know this has got to be it for Stetson Bennett in 2022. We talked a good bit lately about Carson Beck yes. coming on at that position. Um, what's How would you rate the quarterback situation at Georgia, not only for the upcoming season with Bennett back, but maybe for the next two or three years, just in its current state, and maybe the sense of urgency that that staff has at the position when it comes to, you know, making additions here in the near future. Uh, I I think, or we think, the room is pretty good, but these guys really haven't had a lot of experience. Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff. Gunnar Stockton are all the guys that we've heard about for quite some time. But by the way, he's not going to play much, but Jackson Muschamp <laughs> is in that quarterback room too. I think we know who his father would be for that, the, the D coordinator. But look, I, I, I think that's a really good question. Uh, but Trev, doesn't Georgia this year – if if Kirby and again if Kirby's willing to do this because you and I both know and it, rightfully so Stetson is his guy and he takes a lot of pride because Stetson as you've said before mirrors Kirby's career but uh, look to me they've got Trump they've got the schedule this year and if people haven't seen Georgia's schedule they really need to look at that because frankly after Oregon. Uh, they don't have a lot of challenges. It should be seeing Atlanta 
there's no doubt about that. I, I mean, listen, their biggest game may be at Kentucky on mm-hmm. November 19th. So isn't this schedule setting him up to get some of these guys some experience, especially these lopsided games, uh, put Stetson on the sideline, you know what he can do, and give Beck or Vandergriff or some of these guys uh, some playing time. I, I think the schedule, if he wants to do it, sets up well for that. Yeah, and it's really it's really something that Alabama needs to do as well. It, it but is. But that is. schedule doesn't set up. No. You know, no. you look at, and I know you've got this in your notes too, uh, tough stretches uh, during the season for various teams in the SEC. And uh, we've talked about it before, and I've talked about it at Bama Online and on our podcast there as well. I mean, Alabama's got a stretch of six weeks from October 1st through around November 5th or 6th, you know, where they've got Arkansas on the road, A&M at home, Tennessee on the road, State, they get an off week, then they go to LSU. Um, So I think for Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien to accomplish that, probably going to have to happen more in the month of September, right? When you open with Utah State, you see um, UL Monroe, and you get Vanderbilt late in the month of September. So I think for even Alabama, that's a situation that they're going to find themselves in as well at the quarterback position. And again, sticking with those three game stretches and uh, you know, looking at the Georgia schedule specifically, uh, I guess Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State. Yeah. When you when you get into you know late October, the first couple of weeks of November, that's that's about the extent of it. Whereas for Alabama, I think there's a couple of three game stretches you could really choose from if you wanted to. But again, the start of that run with Arkansas on October the 1st there uh, over the, the the five or six game span, five games there into early November. And that's before you even look at, you know, Ole Miss this year yeah. being in yeah. November instead of right. October for Alabama. So some interesting stretches throughout the SEC. Well, and, and one of the, uh, one of the most brutal things I've seen so far, Trev, how about that Ole Miss uh, from end of October through middle of November at A&M, uh, Alabama at home, and then at Arkansas. Wow. I'll tell you, Tennessee's got a pretty good one, too. Uh, late September into mid-October, Florida at LSU. Florida's big for Tennessee. Really, yeah, it really, really is. need to win that game. Florida at LSU, and that's before Alabama visits on October the 15th. So certainly some formidable stretches. Um you know, we talked about Florida, just how the Gators opened the season with Utah, Kentucky, and hell, that's kind of a revenge game in the third game against USF sure after the bowl game. Absolutely. So, uh, boy, Auburn, and oh, you wow. have concerns for really? Brian Harson hmm. in year two, and the schedule doesn't help alleviate those at all when you look at early to mid-October in that same time frame that we've talked about for rival Alabama. Auburn goes LSU at Georgia at Ole Miss. Uh, that, by by mid October, by the end of that Ole Miss game, I, I think we're going to have a, a probably a, a better than we should have feel for Harson's long term sustainability there on the plains. Yeah, the uh, 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 would you say the uh, coaching rumors will be swirling at that point, Trav? Yeah, I don't I don't think that. 
that stretch is going to do probably much to to tap those down. No. So, Brent, <laughs> what else you got for us? We're going to put this thing to bed here, and uh, always a great time. But uh, hit us with anything else you might have. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to mention was the the uh, the Big Twelve has a new commissioner. Uh, that has just come in, Brett Yormark. Uh, now he what? What's unusual about this is this is not Mike Slive of the SEC uh, or Jim Mullaney of the Big Ten. Uh, he was the the uh, COO of Jay Z's agency, Rock Nation. Now people are going to snicker about that a little bit, but to me, this is what's changed in college football. What you're looking for now in a commissioner may be different than what it was, what, Trav, three decades ago or two decades ago or even a decade ago. I, I think you've got guys that, that you're bringing in now who understand uh, television markets and new television contracts. And frankly, a lot of this now is marketing. So, um, and I, I know as you read about this or heard about it, you probably – your ears perked up like I did. I just find it fascinating where we're going now with commissioners. You know, I mean, this guy could be great. He could be not so good, but uh, with his background and where we're going in making huge decisions the next five years and expanding the playoff TV contracts and the big tens about to have a TV contract of of in the billions now, folks, not the millions, but in the billions, Trav, that that's changing how we're looking at commissioners, is it not? It is, and yeah, absolutely. I think the Pac-12, to its credit, or well, maybe learn to its discredit in time, but you know, when you're in a situation like those leagues right now, you, you got to think out of the box yeah uh, that's right a little bit more and how you try to go about salvaging uh your league and that's very much the situation the big 12 finds itself in now with oklahoma and texas moving on to the sec you're gonna have to be and do things that are different frankly from the sec the big 10 uh perhaps even the acc so yeah interesting move but again sort of falls in line with what we saw from the the Pac-12 in large part because of what you said, the ability to market and um, present your league in a way that, you know, doesn't have the luxury of just the traditional uh, feel uh, that, that, that it had previously. So interesting to say the least. Hey, Brent, as always, a lot of fun here on the Second Helping podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to Second Helping? Simple as a click or two. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, that would help us out a great deal. We would really appreciate that. Brent, enjoyed it. Have a great weekend. We'll reconnect real soon. We got SEC Media Days, as you said, right around the corner. Uh, absolutely. We'll look forward to that. Thanks much for Bill Oakley, what he does for us. Trav, enjoyed being with you as always, my friend. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be together soon. For Brent Beard, executive producer Bill Oakley, Travis Ryer, thanking you again for joining us here on Second Helping. Until next time, so long, everybody.